And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Kurt Dupuis. So, Side, I understand that you have to use our platform here to get some stuff off your chest. And despite the name that we call this segment of Just Stop It, I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to let you let a rip. So what's going on? Just to reflect, this is just where I picked a couple things that annoy me, as Kurt said, and I riff on it. And Is it weird they're the easiest thing for me to prepare for? Like the easiest? No, that's that's right on brand for you, actually. <laughs> that's right on brand. Okay, so I'm just going to share. I, I go around day to day, and when things annoy me, I write it down. So I, I've got it down to a top five. We're not going to do five today because we're that, that, would, that would probably be too long. Maybe. We'll see how quickly it goes. So I've got one through five. And Kurt, you're going to decide which ones I do by just picking a number at random. Okay. So I have five things. Does that make sense? I have five yeah. things written down. Just pick a number between one and five. Number one. Okay. Number one. Now, this happens when I'm hearing people talk. I've seen articles written this way. People use this to support an evidence. They start with a study shows. There's a study that came out that said this. I want to make, I want everyone to really do some research. If you think that like you read an article and it says a study shows this and that actually tells you anything, I want, I'm here to tell you you're wrong. You're wrong. And I want you to go to the computer and Google statistical significance because one study, Kurt, one study on something doesn't tell you anything, even if it's peer reviewed, even if it's the best. So first of all, we should start off by saying most studies, like there's a lot of studies that aren't good and it just aren't done well. But even if they're the best study in the world designed by the best people and it's peer reviewed, it is still one data point, one solitary data point and doesn't actually tell you anything. I mean, it could. I mean, it's interesting, but it does not make a fact, does not make a fact. Does that make sense? How many data points does one need to have relevance? I, I, I you, you can, you've got to achieve statistical greater than one <laughs> greater than one is the answer okay yeah, there's some like listen the reality is the more data points the better and you know to and some things you're not going to achieve statistical significance and because there's just not going to be that much data but you can't just rely on one it's just it's not good enough i got a joke for you okay go ahead you know what the plural of anecdote is what's that data <laughs> Boom! Data jokes coming at you. <laughs> that is pretty good that you had a data joke. Okay, that's my first one. Now you I have two, three, four, and five left. Please pick another number. Give me five. Going to the extremes, one and five. Have you ever walked? And I'm gonna get in trouble for this one. I'm gonna just say. Oh, then I, I already like it. I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Someone's gonna take offense to what I'm about to say right now. Have you ever walked into a financial professional's office and then have them start to go into um, all kinds of like discussions or descriptions around something about technical analysis, like death crosses and you know support levels and all the stuff? Have you ever gotten to extensive? Uh, yeah, I definitely ha have had those conversations. People that like like Dorsey Wright or something follow that kind of research. Well, Dorsey Wright's a little bit different because this is like technical analysis, like following the charge of how a pure technical, pure technical analysis, like resistance levels, support levels. They can create these like death crosses or whatever, uh -huh. and it's a way to predict the candlesticks. The yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to rant too much about this. What I will say is this. Most of it I know for certainty is is mumbo jumbo nonsense. Like I, the, in the CFA, they that's will, a spicy like, take. 
It's not really a spicy take. It's like, you know, the CFA has concluded after studying all of this that technical analysis doesn't work. Now, that's at the high level. I'm not saying no technical analysis work. But what I am saying is I find it very, very hard to believe that people use a lot of that type of analysis to really add value. Is that fair? I'm I'm not ranting too hard. Well, I've I've always said that I would be open to believing that technical analysis could provide like 10% of the 100% predicted outcome. Like I meaning that it has the potential to be accretive. I don't know how to use it first of all, but secondly, I'm not giving it a high weighting. But what I have found frustrating is those same self-described technicians when you come to them with something that has a certain level of momentum or it has, you know, a, it fits their criteria, then they still don't act on it. That that's when I just throw my hands up. Isn't well, you're not just a technician. You just you, you you like to use a bunch of fancy words to not make decisions. Yeah, it's mumbo jumbo. Most of it. I'm gonna pick my next one, which is number three. You've kind of led okay. the way. Conspiracy theories. We've gotten a little out of control, ladies and gentlemen. We've gotten a little out of control. I want to read a conspiracy theory that came across. I don't go looking for this stuff. This was in an article I read. You ready it for finds this one, you. Kurt? You don't find it. It finds me. You ready for this one? This is good. Bill Gates has been a part of creating the vaccines for coronavirus so that he can implant us with microchips into our so so planting microchips the coronavirus is a made-up disease a and that the vaccine was actually a way to implant the entire population with microchips wait that's um, a conspiracy theory that's that's a thing i read i don't know how i much. read on reddit that that was a fact that was a fact yeah yeah um if you believe that just go smash your head against the wall like 10 straight times until you start thinking. We, we've gotten, I mean, you, you must admit, we've gotten a little out of control with this conspiracy theory stuff. Right? It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's out of control. And I don't know if it's a failure of the education system or it's the, it's the internet or what it is. But cons- I mean, I guess it's always been there, but to this level, has it always been there? One of the only things that is worse than the financial literacy in this country is the media literacy. And I think we are, and we talked about this with the Take Back Technology episode. I mean, the, the speed at which information comes out, we're not adept to handling it. The amount of misinformation that comes out, we're not adept to handling it. And we don't have, your favorite word, a framework for receiving, internalizing, and then exporting information outside of our brains. We just, we don't, we don't have good systems for it. Well, we need to do something, but just stop it. If you believe that Bill Gates is implanting the population with microchips because coronavirus is, just stop it. There's also people believe in dog men. Have you heard that one now? Dog (laughs) men. That's a thing. Not everything is a conspiracy. What quarters of the internet are you on? I don't. I, I literally do not go and search this stuff. The out. Bill I Gates one. I, I have. I have heard that. I've had. I've heard that one from people. When did Bill Gates become a guy that people thought was like this? This evil being. When did that happen? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's a nice guy. I don't know anything really too deep about him. But he spends a lot of his time doing charity work now. Like he doesn't really seem satanic to but, me. But that's all um, a ruse. All a ruse to get ruse. microchips in us. Well, let's let's cut down. Let, let's knock off the conspiracy theories, please, because uh, I don't think you're really adding anything to the conversation. Um, and I'll conclude on this and then we'll switch over and do some real topics. And then today's so, therapy session will be over. <laughs> if you are a person that um, doesn't let cars in 
You know, so let's say you're on a road, right? And there's traffic and someone's trying to get in, right? And the long list of cars and you're stopped and the person's just trying to get in and, and you're the type of person that doesn't let them in. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. do you let cars in when, when it's not all the time, but I mean like where it's like, it's the polite thing to do. Do you let cars in? So I would describe my driving style as efficient with a touch of nicety. So mostly like I will use both lanes if they're merging because it's most efficient to do so. I'll I'll admit that even if it means cutting across into the less populous lane to scoot up to use the merger lane, I do that. But also, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty avid, but I I learned that in Pittsburgh. So if if you know what the Pittsburgh left is, have we talked about that? No. No. So let's say you're on a two-ray road with stoplights on both sides, but the person in the front on one side is going straight. The person in the front on the other side is turning across the other person. The people behind that person that is turning, they can't move until the turn is made. So in Pittsburgh, it's customary that that person that's going forward through the light lets the person turn first before they go so that both lanes Ah. of traffic can then flow after it changes, which I think it, it's efficient and it's nice. So that's, yeah. But it. you have come to these people that like, they should let someone in and they just, they won't. They won't. Yeah. I've been in New Jersey. Listen, don't hate on Jersey. <laughs> we know, I, 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 I grew up in New Jersey. We know how to drive out there. I, it's the other parts of the country I'm not too worried. But anyways, if you're that person that doesn't let the car in uh, just because you're a jerk and you think you're time... Just like be a little nicer, you know, just stop it. Just like let the, let the person in it. Just be a little bit of a better person. That's all I'm saying. Um, so anyways, I'm going to stop there. There's a lot of lists, but I'll throw one and then we could, I'm not going to rant on this, but also like if you start something and you start the sentence by saying people are saying, or they are saying, that's like, if you start a sentence, like they just stop that sentence. You, you it's stop. a nothing burger. It's it, a nothing it's, burger. Just stop it. Just stop it. Yeah. Okay. So that's enough for today. I, 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 we can't do a whole episode of this. So where are we had to do with this episode? I'm glad Kurt. you feel better. Well, so oddly enough, how you started talking about how you write stuff down, we're going to talk about writing certain things down in your morning routine to help both your efficiency, but also your mental state. Awesome. So we'll come back with that. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. So welcome back. We're going to discuss a book turned into an article about how to improve your morning routine in two minutes. Now, Side, I know you're always skeptical of anything that's, you know, the three tricks or improve something in two minutes, but... Hear me out on this one. I'm listening here because I, you know, there's definitely ways I can improve my my morning for sure. So I'm open minded. Well, and do you write stuff down right now? Oh yeah, I'm a list person. I'm a list. Your list. If person. I don't have it, if I don't have it on a list, like uh, it, it can get lost. So I'm a, I, I'm an active list person. Yes. So that's where this started for me. Is I, I am definitely a list person. You know, a classic ADD guy. I come into the morning. I, I have to sit down and write the stuff that I have to do that day. Otherwise, they do not get done. But this is taking that, but taking it kind of to the next level. So you ready? Well, before you do that, can I ask you a question about your list? I'm sorry. I know I'm derailing it, but I have to sure. know this. Like, Because there are two different kinds of lists. There are the type of lists where you've got legitimate, big, major lists on. And then there's also 
what my wife does. God bless her. I love you, Becky. Who just like writes things like got to clean the kitchen, like just like really small. Like, <laughs> are, are yours meaningful or just like he'll be like pick up daughter? Like if she didn't, she has to write everything down. So what kind of list? Sorry, Becky. What kind of list do you have? So I'm not quite like that. Uh, but I mean, she likes crossing I, stuff off. That's what she likes to do. She just like well, likes and, that feel. And I do. It's it's ther- therapeutic. So I have multiple lists. So my one list, I have a whiteboard. I had an, have an adhesive whiteboard in my office. Uh, Steve, you can see it right now a little bit. Yeah, I love it's the whiteboard. two by three that keeps track of a lot of like the, the practice uh, coaching stuff that we're doing just to make sure that I keep. In, in front of those people, yep. it's got to-do lists, but that are kind of like long-term, like, hey, don't forget about this thing over the course of a year. Yeah. As I get ideas of LinkedIn posts or other kind of content, I, I, it goes on this list because it's yep. not immediate, but stuff I want to keep in front of me. Then I have my list list, which is just an old school notepad with tear off pages that every day I come in and write who I'm going to be calling, who I need to email. It's like, oh yeah, I got to get back to that person. And I use that in concert with Outlook to be my to-do. So if I email somebody today and want to follow them up again with them in three to five days, I just put it on the calendar and time block. So I know, hey, for this this hour or two, I'm blocking this off and this is what I'm going to do for that time. So that that's, yeah, that's, that's the extent of my list game right now. You, it sounds exactly the way that uh, that I do it. Yours is probably a little bit better. So anyways, proceed. Thank you for that. So this is an article by a guy named Neil Pazricha, who is kind of called the happy guy. He wrote this book called The Book of Awesome. A th- wow. It's like a thousand ideas of how to make yourself happier. He's like, he decoded how to make yourself happier. I would like so, to read that. that yeah, it, it, it's exactly. So a couple of takeaways, but first, I guess it helps to know his backstory. So what's probably typical with someone that would write about happiness is he originally was coming from a place of deep unhappiness. Like his marriage was was ending, falling apart. He was at a kind of a, a cushy suburban job, but not into it. And then he converted, he moved downtown. He, you know, he worked to have his escape. He lost a bunch of weight due to stress um, and was just not at a good place. And then he found the power of index cards. And so we started <laughs> index doing cards. power of $1 for a hundred at the dollar store index card. I got to tell you, I did not see you finishing that <laughs> sentence with index cards. I did not see that coming. Go ahead. Well, the, so the corollary, especially to the conversations that, that you and I have with financial professionals, it's writing stuff down matters, right? So we yes. just talked about lists, different yep. lists, writing down just, it's, it has a cognitive effect. It has a behavioral effect. It's, a, it's, it's just good. Yeah. So, but he really use, utilizes this like three by five index card. So he started with his list to say, I will focus on, but then he had three cards. He said, I will focus on what I will do, what I could do and what I should do. So that's for the, the day. So he starts his day that way. So I, I wake Every up day. As- it's Wednesday here. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's less of a to-do list, but it's more of, I mean, you could incorporate it. Like, this is how I want to act today. This yeah. is what I want to focus on as a person or as a father or as a, you know, it, it, it can have multitudinous effect. It doesn't have to be strictly business related. Awesome word, by the way, multitudinous. Well done. <laughs> uh, but then it sort of evolved. And so then he talks about this almond sized 
amygdala. Is that how you say that? I think that's right. The the, the brain and the brainstem, right? That's where that is. Yeah, yeah. But this 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 creates the fight or flight uh, mechanism in us as humans, right? So apparently, this thing is really good at at looking for problems, finding problems, solving problems. But it's exactly what both news media and social media and all of the other things that that compete for our attention exploit to take our focus away. Ah. So he took his his idea of I will focus on something, and he decided like. I'm just kind of an ungrateful bastard. How can I be more grateful? And he adopted the same index card methodology to that. So every day, he, in, in addition to I will focus on, he does I am grateful for. Yeah. So, and I got to tell you, this is this is my takeaway. You know, we talk about, you know, the take, there, there should be a takeaway. The takeaways, there's got to be a takeaway. This is my takeaway. Um, I think... I'm going to start doing this. Um, I'm going to steal, we're working on sight words with my kindergartner. So I'm going to steal some of her three by five cards and start on a daily basis. Just writing one thing that I'm grateful for, putting on an index card. So if you take away nothing else, that's my takeaway. There's been books written about this, that like you should write down positive things and what I really need to do this. And the other thing I really need to do, I'm all over this, by the way, you've, all these things I think would be uh, very, very beneficial. I've also been putting off do you meditate? Can I ask you that? Do you do any kind of meditation? I've played around with that with like with me very, too. Uh, ironically enough, with it with an app that helps you. Played around is the th- the key though. Yeah, like I I think creating this is this stimulate like just creating some some practice that you do that you know meditation calms you down and then this creates it sounds like focus as well as improves your mood. I mean, if you, and think about this, you roll all this up. How much time are we really talking about here? Could you do this in minutes, minutes, right? Yeah. And I, we should try this out and report back. We should, we should, you Agreed. and I, so it's like, well, I don't let's know how do many this. days. Yeah. I'll do the gratefulness exercise on the index cards. You, you work on the meditation or I think mindfulness is at the center of this. I, I think that's, I think yeah. that's the generic kind of all encompassing just being more mindful of what we say, how we think, all those kind of things. But to your point for the the word that, that you were looking for, what what Neil describes this as this this whole exercise is it's it's like doing bicep curls for the brain. Right. It's it's got a bit of muscle memory. The more you do this, the stronger those muscles get, you know, the more innate focus, the more innate happiness you're building into your routine and building in into yourself. And he talks about just the the amazing outcomes. That he's like, you you won't smell rain on hot asphalt the same way after you do something like this. Oh, or you won't take the first scoop of an unopened peanut butter jar the same way. It's it just taking those little things and extracting happiness. There's like a happiness quotient to it. I just, I, it's such a cool way to, to look at the world. Did you hear my first segment with the just stop it? I think I could use some happiness help is what I think this could Great segue because the last category of index cards. Okay. (laughs) Start with the phrase, I will let go of. Oh. (laughs) I think I just had a visceral. Am I speaking your language? (laughs) Yeah. That's hard. It's so hard. That's like a real weakness of mine. And I know, like, you know, I, I, you, it's, you know, those things that, like, you know, you can get better at. And you're always like, I, I should stop doing that, but then you never, yeah, let going, let let go of stuff, you know. Yeah, 
So that's that's how he that's the kind of the three categories that that he writes down on a daily basis. I will let go of B, I am grateful for C, I will focus on. Let me let me read one of the the last couple phrases in the article. Am I completely cured? Am I always happy now? No, of course not. But this two-minute research-based morning practice has massively improved the quality of my days. So separately, but I think is related to this of like focusing on things that that you're grateful for and, and getting rid of negativity. I have a wonderful, wonderful mentor uh, that's been my mentor for many years. Shout out to Mark Canner, great, just the greatest guy in the world. And he gave me um, these, uh, it was CDs at the time, but it's it's audio called um, Lead the Field. It's by a guy by uh, by the name of Earl Nightingale. I've got homework for you and our audience. Well, I've got a couple of pieces of homework for our audience, but give that a listen. Like just listen to like 20 minutes of it and okay. come back to me. I'm curious of what you think about it. What it is, is it really just, you you spend 20 minutes thinking completely positive. It's all positivity. And by listening, you sort of get in that. So it really does make you happier after you're done listening to it. And that's Give what this reminds me of. It's like Earl Nightingale is the author. This is, these are audios. Um, and it's called Lead the Field. And I just Googled it. You can find it on YouTube. Just listen okay. to 20 minutes of it. And all of this comes down to like a, a mindfulness practice that you can do that we all know that would probably benefit us, but we... You know, I've been talking about, oh, I'm going to meditate for years and I never do it. Well, let's do it. And by the way, our community, everyone listening, who's in with us? You just heard a bunch of different ideas that we talked about of a mindfulness practice. Who's, who's, e- email us, shoot, tell us who's involved in this. Let's do it. Let's do it all together and let's see honestly if it's beneficial or not. Is that fair, Kurt? Yeah. I'm going to do my index cards. You're going to do some meditation mindfulness and I'll close with this. Yeah. We're awake about a thousand minutes a day. But if you spend two of those minutes getting your mind right, it's amazing the influence that time has over the other 998. Awesome. Costanza Corner's next, stick with us. And welcome back to our closing segment called the Costanza Corner, where we like to end the show on a high or uplifting note. Sai, take it away. So I, I'm actually going to quiz you a little bit on this, Kurt, because this is an uplifting thing that happened in your back, backyard in Atlanta. And oh, I want to know if you heard this story. Now, it is about animals. So you're going to say, oh, every one of yours is either science known. or animals. But it's about people, too. It's about people, too. All right. Remember, just because I love animals doesn't mean I hate people. Okay. Hit me with it. A homeless man is being hailed as a hero as he risked his life to rescue several dogs from a fire at an animal shelter. Did you hear this story? I did not. Okay. In your backyard. So long story short, I won't get into and read the whole article, but this fire breaks out at an animal shelter and it breaks out so aggressively that fire department, all of it would not have had time to come and rescue all the different animals. I mean, it would have been a very, very bad scene. So this homeless guy sees it, breaks into the animal shelter and rescues every single animal from the shelter. That alone is the most you know, heartwarming story and it shows a, a, this gentleman. But what's awesome is, and the human benefits too, because he did this, he got his stuff you know, written up in the newspaper and all this, and a GoFundMe was started and people have started to raise tons of money for this guy. Uh, for and the guy. As of the writing, 
for the guy because he's a hero, man. And, I, and, nice. as, and as of the writing of this article, it was up to $40,000 that they're Holy giving this crap. man. That's so awesome. So anyways, yeah, just a really, really awesome story on every level. Uh, so, people helping yeah. people, man. I love yeah. to hear it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.